Hey guys, it's Wednesday night. We got a really incredibly special edition, special guest host. Um, it's drummer week, and I personally wanted to get the best drummer I know personally in here to talk about best rock drummers. <laughs> and I'm, I want to welcome Gene Pledger. Gino is here, and we're so happy about that. And guys, Gene has. Gene has been around and drumming for a long time, and we'll get into that. We'll get into some things where uh, we'll talk about a, a few of your experiences um, as you see fit, but tonight is Top 5 Rock Drummers, and for people like Percy and me, I mean, we probably are listing some fairly obvious with a few maybe little twists and turns but to get the perspective from uh one of the best technical drummers i've ever heard um is going to be really interesting so gene we're <laughs> glad you're here man i've known you for a long time i've i've got some memories so this goes way back and locally um, there's been a lot of people that knew you were coming on tonight and they were excited about it. And, um, so what do you say we get into it and just see where this leads? Oh, sounds great. Okay. <laughs> so how this works is we're going to go around and we're going to talk about some honorable mentions first. Okay. So we're going to get, Gene's <laughs> got this great look on his face. So we're going to give two or three honorable mentions before we count them down. So we give our honorable mentions first, and then we go five, around round of robin, and then four, and et cetera. And sometimes I forget what number we're on, and that's quite all right, because we are sponsored unofficially by Svedka Vodka, and officially we are sponsored by Anchor, which is a great podcast company, and uh, we'll be expecting a check from them soon. So... Percy, I'm really, you've been grinning like a, a possum eating briars um, <laughs> all week on this one. So let's, let's hear, what are your honorable mentions, top five best rock drummers, and let me have it. Well, I feel kind of nervous being in front of a real drummer, but... Oh, I know. Like I say, Come on. This is just, just no. This is my opinion. <laughs> and my first honorable mention is, I think, is in my opinion, the greatest rhythm drummer. In my opinion, and it's Charlie Watts. He's not flashy, but he gets the job done. He is a great. I think Gene, and I want your perspective on this. I think Charlie is what you would call a song drummer, almost like Ringo. Oh, I, absolutely. I mean, that's your job. Yeah. He sat right. in the song, and uh, what was the story? Well, that the he, songs were not focused on drums, but, you know, he just, like you say, he did his job. He did his job. That That is ultimately, mm -hmm. you know, our job is holding it down. Where is it sitting? Yeah. You know, and Charlie was the ultimate at, at that. You know, technical doesn't really matter to you know the keep 20 thousand people it, you know it's more than keeping a beat it's sitting mm -hmm. how does it sit you know how does it feel 
-hmm. And you don't, you know, that's a combination of space and and sound together, right? So yeah. how does it feel? How does it sit? And Charlie was a master at that. Yeah, sure. it, not only, and I, he was a cool English guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> he was the classy dude. In he the was lunch. the classy, he was the classy dude playing the drums back there. All right, what else you got? My next one is Mick Fleetwood. Oh, man. And I go, a lot of people recognize him from the Lindsey Buckingham and the, but my favorite version of Fleetwood Mac is Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, it was a lot more bluesy. And he did a brief stint in John Mayo and the Blues Breakers, which John McVie and Peter Green was in, which they went on to form Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac. But if you listen to him when he does Shake Your Moneymaker on Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac album, he's just got a groove going. It's just like, I mean, he could just groove. And he was enormous. He, how tall was? Uh, he's a big tall guy for he's sure. He's like six eight. Yeah. <laughs> he's crazy and had a crazy look about him. Good stuff. You got any comment on that, Gene? No, I don't. You know, I didn't. Um, I didn't follow Fleetwood Mac earlier. You know, before Lindsey and, and Stevie came on board from you know when they hit Buckingham. Sound, the sound, the studio, where they you know that all happened. Mm -hmm. um, there's a whole documentary about Sound City where they yes, met. That's great. And if you haven't seen that, please yes. watch it. There's a whole lot of history wrapped up in it. Okay. And I, I encourage anybody, they did, there's two albums that I know of. They did one that was called Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac, and they one that did was called Chicago's Blues Jam. And they had other blues musicians on it. Mm. And it was just great. All right. Check that out. You got another one? Yeah, and I'm probably going to take heat for this because it's not higher, but this is just my heart. And I know I'll take heat from the resident curmudgeon at work. <laughs> but it's Neil Peart. I mean... I mean, he was... Why not? I mean, and their, a lot of their songs were heavily oriented on drums. So it was so easy to pick out the drums. I mean... So that's an honorable mention. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how that's not. I mean, that's it's an honorable. It, it's it's in the in the discussion. <laughs> but that guy had a drum kit that was like three sixty, didn't he? Oh yeah, yeah. You know, Neil Neil was quite the guy, right? He he wrote all their lyrics. He wrote their lyrics. And and you know what a well spoken person. And a good human he was. You know, he endured a lot of a lot of heartbreak himself. He lost his yes. wife and his daughter. Yeah. Um, Neil was very precise about the way he orchestrated drum parts. If you listen to him, I mean, everything's very particular. You could tell he it worked everything out. So yes, I mean, you could not have uh, this discussion without you know him he's being got, part of it. Whether it mentioned. You know, to me, you know, all these are the same, even though you, their mentions are that's the top right. five. That's, that's the thing about this. When <laughs> so, you talk about top five, it's like, yeah, it's so yeah. hard. I got a lot to but say about if, that. Later. If we were in top ten or top twenty, I mean, we, you know, it's still hard. 
Yeah. Well, along the list we do, but the, the, the top three or four are just could be like interchangeable. I they mean, are. They okay, are. so yeah, go keep on. Right. right. So that's your honorable that's mentions, my honorable Gino. Mentions. You got some honorable mentions for us. You know, if it's okay with you guys, I'm gonna hang back. Okay. And I'm gonna let you guys. All cause, right. Cause y'all, are gonna, like y'all are gonna cover the cover the bases. So I'm, I'm going to be throwing curveballs. Okay. All right. I like that. So let me know when you start your wind up. Okay. All right. So my first honorable mention is Carl Palmer. Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Of course. He's one of the quickest, fastest. I think he's recorded as the fastest drummer of, of all time. I don't know. No. I think I heard that, but he's one of them. Um, you know, Carl, uh, during the brain salad surgery record which is the one that I'm most familiar with and I can still play a good bit of that um, wow. I mean I, I sit in my bedroom and learn all that stuff you know when I was young that was a very he was a very progressive guy I was into the progressive thing back yeah. then I was very interested in orchestrated sounding you know things and he played a giant stainless steel set of drums that weighed like tons that was and, and, and you know so, he's still playing. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. I saw him uh, probably four or five years ago, and he was playing with Asia. Yep. Yeah, he's still in Asia. Plays a lot in Europe. So yeah, he's still playing. So yeah, good stuff. Yeah. And um, I mean, you already mentioned Charlie Watts, so that was my other honorable mention. But my other one, just because of me and my upbringing, um, is JMO. Almond Brothers. Oh, of course. I mean, J-Mo. They're not even on my list. My God. J-Mo was a bad man. I I mean, we're talking, you know, when you got a drummer with a jam band, I mean, Gene, you've been in some jam bands, I'm sure, or y'all have had some long jam out songs. J-Mo had to get worn out, but that guy stayed in it. That's what I love about these lists. I go through my mind, through my mind, and then one comes up, I'll be like, I know. Why did I think of him? I know. Why didn't you think about James? That's an interesting combination because him and Butch were complementary. You know, the James drum parts were not, you know, specifically. I don't for think they were any. tough. No, Butch actually, you know, did did most of the syncopated, you know, um, things, and Jamo kind of worked between, like, for example, on One Way Out. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. If you listen, you know there's a 16th note thing going on the ride symbol that's really fast and it's almost impossible to to keep. Well, JMO was doing that, you know. So that allowed you to do things ryth- rhythmically working together that you could not pull off. You know? This is why we have a professional drummer in here because <laughs> we really don't. I, but I mean, you you hear things that way, and now when you listen to it again. You'll notice that that there was a complementary. Just because you put two drummers together doesn't mean that it's going to work. Right. You know, they, Butch and JMO were, you know, they were they were meant to be, and they played different parts. And it that's you know, I appreciate that that Butch always gets the love. So I really appreciate that you would love JMO because he he always didn't. Yeah, I agreed, and I always just thought JMO. I mean, the name, number one, gets you like, what's this guy all about? Number two, you start listening, and then you start learning. You're like, J-Mo was in it. Well, you so. know, the, the Derek Trucks deal with his two, yeah. they, they, they kind of do that as well. And I really appreciate 
it's kind of a, a lost thing. It's got to be a special thing for that to work, but I really appreciate it. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I hit one. Check the box on that. You want to do top five? Or you no, just y'all, y'all, y'all all right. continue on okay. with your... All right, so, purse, what's number five? Number five for me is, I found myself, I'd always listen to him, but I'd never just singled him out. And I found myself this week just listening to him and just listening for his parts. And it's Mitch Mitchell of the Jimi Hendrix experience. Man. That's second uh, one. Well, hey, yeah. you listen to the uh, Gino knows a couple of songs that stick that one, Manic Depression, when he's playing that song, and uh, just as a listener, uh, Fire when he does when he plays Fire, that just and it's this week I've been listening to him. Mitch Mitchell never got the credit because Jimmy was such larger than life. But dude, you're you're reading my mind. I had the same exact uh, thought. Not long ago, here in town, Winger and in Quiet yeah, Right and those guys. Yeah. Um, as it turns out, Rod Morgenstein is the drummer for Winger. Rod uh, was has was the drummer for the Dixie Dregs that you guys were talking about last yeah, night. Yeah. Well, I which I know that you are a, a fan of. Oh, oh Lord, yes. So, um, as luck would have it, Damon. Um, there's a guy, John Roth, who's the guitar player with Wingers, dear old friends with mine, and he he connected me with them, and I I went and sit down uh, and spent a few minutes with Rod when they were here. Wow. And and you know when you meet somebody, when you meet you know one of your really influential guys, right. you know you you're trying to figure out what to say. You, you want to have a conversation without it being an interview. Yeah, you know that's really kind of what happens to famous people all the time. They get interviewed. It's really hard to. But <clears throat> you know, I said, look, you know, I just wanted to tell him face to face how influential his his playing was to me. And I said, who were you? I asked him who who were your guys? Mm-hmm. And Mitch Mitchell was like one of the first guys that he said in Bonham, you know, and and. He said, those were my guys. I said, well, you were one of my guys. And, and you know, I said, and it's kind of funny, um, we, we talked more. I said, look, I said, every time I, I you know, t- we talked about Nashville, and, of course, I did some of that stuff. And, uh, the Drecks, they did, like, different styles on their record, you know, and there's chicken-picking yeah. things, and there's all sorts of different styles. They were a lab band from University of Miami, so they just did all kinds of things. But if I... When I'm in Nashville, or whenever I'm playing a, a, a country song that's chicken picking, I'm channeling him. And I told him, <laughs> I said, dude, i got to write you a check because I've been stealing your, lifting your licks for 30 years, so where do I make, make it out to? <laughs> he cracked up. He thought that was funny. But I wasn't bullshitting him. I mean, I, for real, you know, whether it's in Nashville or whether doing a chicken picking, dude, you know, I'm channeling Rod Morgan's. So... That's kind of a long-winded way around Mitch Mitchell. Man, I got a hit. You got a hit. You struck a note. That's good stuff. Well, I got one. All right, so that was your five, right? That was my five. All right, so my five. Nope, Gino is sitting in. No, okay. I'm, she got a five. I'm coming. Okay. Commenting. Gino is coming in and straightening us okay. out. All right. All right. So my five is Bill Ward, Black Sabbath. Oh, 
Of course. That guy, if I mean, I'm a Sabbath. Oh, I know. Yeah. And you listen to that stuff, and he was in it. And it was hard. It was hardcore. Um, and he's keeping up with uh, Iomi and, and the group, and it was fantastic. So I, I just think Bill Ward need. I just really thought he was worthy of my top five list. He needed, he needed a nod. Oh, that's good. Look, I saw a picture that hasn't been very long ago of him in the studio when they were recording that particular set of music. Look, it was incredibly Spartan what he was playing. I was like, holy cow, you know, all that incredible sound and all that incredible and it was like the most spark it was kind of like mike talking last night about roger hawkins set up you know and it was you know you just uh what records well and you know isn't always what you think it is you go to a live show and you get all this but when you're recording it could be a hodgepodge of whatever it could be yeah. just like right now the ice maker's going off and when i go and listen to this later <laughs> i listen to myself and think i sound like shit i mean it's it's like when you're recording i mean it is what it is it is what it is you deal, don't see what it is yeah deal with it deal with it but it's good stuff all right my number four was actually just mentioned and i picked him because of his versatility and that's Roger Hawkins. Oh, no, no kidding. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, uh, it's hard to argue about Roger. I mean, when yeah. Jerry, Jerry Wexler tells you that you're a great drummer. So, <clears throat> all right, I'm going to interject here. Um, Please. My friend in Muscle Shows that I was telling you about his wife, Rhonda, they paint in their spare time. Well, Rhonda and Mike both are great friends with Roger. And I actually have a picture on my phone I could probably dig up of all the gold, of three Bob Seger gold albums that were just leaned up against the wall. And she told him, you know, and she said, why aren't you hang, come on, hang this stuff up. And he's, nah. he said, you can't take that to the Piggly Wiggly and get any food. And, you know, I mean, that, that was his ad whole attitude you know, toward that. Matter of fact, he worked on cars. He, you know, he worked in a, in a shop. And he was under a car the first time he heard himself on the radio. And he, he said, hey, that's me. And his boss said, cool. Get your ass under the car and finish what you're doing. <laughs> you know that, that comes straight that from the, that, that's straight from the, and you know, know. We were there, like, a week after he passed away when we did the yeah, tours. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Sorry, then that that's Roger's a that's a deep thing right there. That stuff right there. That's the last mile unpredictable. The rest of them's predictable, so Nah, mine are pretty predictable too. So we're at we're at number four. Gene, I still wanna hear some of your I'm trying to find that picture the the albums that she sent me that were in the floor. What do you got as number four? That That's where we're at. Four. That was your number four, so it was my number four. It's your number four. Well, that's Neil Perk. Okay. Holy smokes, I'm looking at a picture. That's, that's all uh, the Bob Seger gold records that he, that he played on. She, they were laying in the floor 
Laying in the floor. Leaned up against if the wall. If anyone knows me, if I had anything like that, it would be made into a uh, world championship wrestling belt. <laughs> I would have a shrine and not when you come to my house. And, and it was, well, anyway, we could, we could have a whole show just about that one guy. Yeah, so. we could. We could. All right, so where are we at? Three? Three. And like I say, the rest of mine's probably predictable in one way or the other. Oh, mine's definitely predictable. That's why I want Gino three, to jump in every now and then. I'm going with Keith Moon. Of course. God damn, you can't pick Keith Moon because that's my number three. And he's, I mean, you know. He was a machine gun, Gene. He was. Was he a machine gun? And oh, a oh, oh, of course. I mean, his, his whole personality, and, and that's the beauty of art, right? Because yeah. it's an experience. It, you know, it's an extension of who you are, because he, you know, dear Lord, you know, the things he did, you, you can't. And, and his personality played like he was, well, right? Well, he, he was, um, he was a nut job. Well, it's like Joe Walsh said, all those stories, he said, Keith Moon taught me how to party, and all those stories you hear about him, they're true. Yeah. <laughs> they are true. Yeah, and he was straight up, I mean, of course, you know, he named Led Zeppelin, you know, that... He was credited with it. You didn't know that? No. Yes, he, you know, they told, I think, um, um, Plant, and, and they were talking to him. He said, yeah, we got a new band, and they were telling him. He said, yeah, you're going to go over like a lead balloon. Mm. Led Zeppelin. Yes. And that's how they named that, Led Zeppelin. I'm surprised that you don't know Well, that. I think I've heard it now that you mentioned it. Yeah. Somewhere along the way. All right, we're... Number two. My number two is Bonzo. Yeah, John Bonham. John Bonham. I mean, I, I, Gene, I think he hit him harder than anybody. Yeah. Nah. Who hit him harder? Oh, gosh. Bill Rudd. Godly. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> I mean, he hit hard, man. That's, he did hit yeah, hard, Phil, didn't he? Yeah, ACDC. You know. I mean, you, we could you, you could sit back and stew just on that one for a minute. You know, how much, how much, how right much, now, I mean, as you know, soon as you much, said that, I'm much, laid back in my chair. You know, did they influence? How much did Phil influence? Yeah. And he, he speaking of crazy. Yeah. yeah. But. Crazy, hard-hitting. Yeah. I told you we were going to be obvious. That's why we wanted you. No, that's great. That's good. Yeah. All right. My number two, Ginger Baker. Sorry. Why are all the, the Greg ones crazy? That, because drummers have a left side brain and a right side brain. Am I right? I don't know. We've had this talk before. We've, Ginger Baker is rock and roll, or was rock and roll's ultimate curmudgeon. Yeah, you're probably right I there. Mean, I mean, it's, I'll, it's I'll a shame that. if him and Jack could have got along. Yeah, who knows what could happen. Well, you know, you got to remember it's a time and a place, man. Everything's in, in its time and place. And in their time and place, um, you know, they were they were living that, and his drumming was a reflection of, again, like Keith, in a, in a way that's same. And mm. I love his style. Ginger was an asshole, dude. Yes. Well, we, you know, we no know question. We know so, that. but but you know, the, one of the greatest performances that I love uh, and appreciate more than any was the last Cream 
concert at Royal Albert Hall. Yeah, and he did that that solo in that in that. Have you seen? If you haven't, yes. I'll send it no, to you. Oh, I'll I'll have, I have the DVD. And he does that. You know, that was his whole. I was talking to my friend Mike in the show, the drummer friend, and he said, you know, he's been doing that same shtick the whole time. And I'm like, well, wow, you know, that's uh, cool. Um, and I just, I guess, I never really, you know, caught it, but. I'm glad you brought him up because he definitely, you know. And correct me if I'm wrong, but he was one of the first drummers, rock and roll drummers, to use a double bass. Do you know that, Gina? Um, I can't. I can't think of anybody else. Um, what I had heard that was Moon actually tipped off the idea to him. Yeah, but you know who bass. did it first? It was a jazz drummer. Freaking Krupa. Yeah, Gene Krupa did that. So that's now a, that's a gonna, left foot and a right foot. Somebody's gonna somebody's gonna bust me if I'm wrong. I think that's it. Um, okay. Yeah, but you know, you got to think about the foundational guys. Yeah. You know? So, you know, <clears throat> well, I'm, I'm continue. You are a foundational I'm, guy. In my no, book. no, thank you, but. And to, I've saw documentaries about Ginger and stuff, and to the day he died, he considered himself a jazz drummer. You know, he lived in Colorado when I lived in Colorado. Really? There was a great radio show out there, and they would have uh, Ginger call in <laughs> uh, maybe once, once a week and just talk about shit. And you said he was an asshole? Well, he was an asshole. He was absolutely but an asshole. He could play he the could drums. Play. He you could know, play. That yeah. was his deal, again... So that's your number one, too, isn't it, Percy? No, that's my number one. Yeah, and my number one's John Bonham. Yeah. So, because I'm a Zeppelin nut, and uh, I just thought Bonham hit him, and his son is a prodigy um, that's worthy, I think, of a little mention here. Um, yeah, Jason is, is definitely, he's not his dad. Yeah, he's not his dad, but... He's a good drummer. He tries to be his dad. He, he's a good drummer. Um, he's a good drummer. There's a song, Damon. Uh, there's a Caleb uh, guy that, that was on American Idol. Remember the tall Caleb kid that had the great rock voice? Yeah. And okay. Th- yeah, yes. Damon, Damon actually did some work with him, and Jason was playing drums. Uh, so I have to send it to you. Yeah, please do. Um, but um, anyway, um, most definitely... Most definitely, uh, Bonzo. It's, it's, it worthy of. He's worthy of a number one, number two, or wherever in the list. Yeah. But Gene, is there someone that you think that we're leaving off? Well, I mean, I got, I got. You know, I, I wanted to carry the conversation in a little different uh, direction now. So, but before I do, I'll say this: I have a uh, a Ludwig. Superphonic LM402 snare drum, right? That's that's John Bonham's snare drum. That's what he played. So, and it, to me, you know, there, there's a couple of drums that there, but Ludwig Black Beauty and that one that, you know, I think John has, you know, the that's the sound I, I want to hear. Right. And it's an incredibly telling instrument because if you don't do it right, if you're not, it, it don't sound right. It'll tell on you. So. <laughs> You know that—that's how much I—I I think of John. Um, I didn't really understand him until I got older. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds really 
got to sound crazy. Everybody loves John Bonham. I didn't get it. You know, it's funny how, you know, when you're listening to music or as you grow and mature as a person, musically, you know, mature, um, you don't get it. You don't understand what it really means. Yeah. And, and I'm going to use an example. Well, I mean, that's a great statement anyway or a great conversation anyway because that applies to so many things in life in general and your profession I mean you you've got a couple professions but one of them to me is to me you're always a drummer just yeah. so you know and my favorite <laughs> so it's it's interesting to hear because when you you grow and you grow older and you experience and you get the mileage behind you 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 do look back and or do suddenly appreciate things differently. Yeah. Oh, look, and, and I have a nice story about my Bruce. Um, so, you know, when he got hurt and they asked me to sit in and, and play, fill in for him for a little while while he, he was recovering, you know, I had, of course, I grew up with that music, so... Obviously, yeah. I know it. Uh, it was an easy learn, but then, when you you know when you start peeling off the layers of it, because that's the way I am. Right. You know the way I play. I've always been that way. You know, I'm looking a little deeper. You know mm -hmm. what? And so, after I did all that, I had kind of a reckoning because Mike's style is reminiscent. Of gingers, of of all the guys that were in that time in the late '60s, early '70s, you know there was a particular way to play. One example of that is in tempo. Um, you know, in our day and time, things happen on a click. If you go see, you know, any any band, you know, there's sequence things going on. You're on a click. I did that in Baghdad. We we did, you know, all that that Zeppelin stuff, all that programmed sure. stuff. I did Rush on a click. I had to play Neil on a click, right? I so it, it's really odd. You just, you're playing in space with it, you you know, and you just have to figure out how to do it. But I learned uh, about playing that style from having to sit and fill in with Mike. And one of the greatest versions of Crossroads I know my, by far my favorite is Warm's version of Crossroads. And if you put a meter on it, you know, the, the verses are one, and then, and then the choruses are about ten beats different. I can't remember if it's faster or slower. So there's all this tempo moving around. There's all these different dynamics to it. Back in Black's the same way. I never knew this till later, but... This, the, the, the verses are one tempo, but when it kicks into the chorus, the tempo changes. You, you think it's all one, but it's, it's really not. But do, going through that, all that kind of thing with Mike's music, with Warm's music, gave me a totally, you know, an, um, a new perspective on that style of music, which Warm was a part of that greater style that was happening at the time. Does that make sense? What Absolutely. I'm saying, so um, you know, that's that was a great, great. I, I told Mike, I thanked him on the phone. I called him and said, "Look, I, I appreciate 
being able to do that because it was a huge lesson for me because it was a little you know outside of what I had always done right I, yeah. I had always been in progressive things and different I didn't really give that style all the love that I should have and I didn't understand that till just a few years ago wow so, right so thank you Mike I appreciate that and him hanging out with Levon hell nobody's talked about him yeah right no, there, there's huge. That, that will be the discussion when we talk about drummers that sing and play the drums. <laughs> well, yes, there's but not, there's not too many that no. can pull that off. So, so you know, the whole discussion about you know the the greatest rock drummers, or you know, is from your perspective in a slice of time and your perspective in a slice of time. You know, you got to remember that all these guys are just a conduit. Right, mm. right. They're a conduit. All all musicians are really, aren't they? You know, between wherever that comes from, you know, to the person listening. It's like right. Like B.B. King said, "Music's like a river. Yeah. Everybody takes a drink." So I, I you know, I tend to my perspective. You know, um, I, people have asked me these questions all my life. You know, who's the best drummer? Who's the best this? Right. Who's the, you know, who's the greatest? Well, aren't they all? Well, this is why I was so excited about having you here tonight <laughs> because I knew it would, uh, it's like, I don't, I don't want to just have Gene rattling off this and that and this and that. I just want him to sit in and uh, <laughs> give us his perspective from a drummer that I totally respect and love. I've oh. known you for a long time. And I always, you know, the drummer from Kansas. Yeah, Billy Hart. Yeah, you always remember that. I, I, I remember. Remember, I remember you, you hit, we ran into each other one day and you, and you brought Phil up. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start talking about mine. I, but I'm going to start with five drummers that were instrumental to me. And... And and they were they were, you know, they, they certainly can be included in the the, the list of, you know, top yeah. five drummers. Sure, the list is a conversation. Right, starter. right, right. Yeah. Okay, so, you, Ian Pace. Oh man, <laughs> who's still playing, Ian Pace. So, you know what? Uh, sitting in my uncle's car. In his Chevelle, in you know, in 1973, as a young person, and popping in an eight-track of Machine Head. Listen, it don't get any more real than that. Yeah, Percy's mind just exploded. <laughs> no, I, I'm sharing that. Now. This is this is Gino's most innermost Machine Head thing. Right, so you know, in 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 nineteen seventy three or four, that was, you know, you know, it is what it is. Mind blowing. So, one thing that I, uh, one little one little commonality that I have with the guys that I like, and and I believe that all the great rock drummers, at least from that era, started there. Now we're in a whole different. So so really, to be more specific, we're talking about older rock drummers right I mean for the most part for the most part all the guys yeah, all the guys we've known old. right but all the guys that we've named anyway they're influenced by jazz Mike threw out Buddy Rich sure you sure. know 
you know, and everybody was influenced by jazz guys. Ringo, we ain't throwed him in here yet, yeah. right? Well, everybody. Ringo, I mean, Ringo, I thought he was playing jazz it's drum like, with the Beatles. Well, he, that's he was washing the, the hi hats. Like, look, it, it's all came from that. So, Ian's definitely a swing, you know, lazy is a very swinging mm-hmm. drum part, you know, that, you know, that, that. Anyway, so Ian Pace. Um, this one's gonna. Danny Seraphin. Never heard. <laughs> Maybe I have. Uh, educate me. Chicago Transit Authority. Oh my God! Yes. Okay. Danny, you know, uh, uh, Chicago. Yeah. Won dialogue. The dialogue is. That's a great example of Danny Seraphin. But he did all the old Chicago hits when we were younger, Danny played. Okay. And and so after this conversation you're gonna go back and listen I'm gonna to go what listen he's doing and tonight. you're gonna go, Wow, he's really different. And if you'll notice his drum parts are really unique. He's not doing things that you would expect. Y'all will do and that. I just, you know, dial but dialogue is a that's one of my favorite songs. It may be my Chicago's favorite song. And and also, how relevant is it even? It's today? still today. Yeah. Well, you just have to think, where would have Chicago went if Terry Kath oh. hadn't? I mean, he was he, he never Terry. got the credit that he deserved. Look, yeah. every, everybody everybody knows that Terry Kath was like. Just because somebody, you know, isn't in the mainstream and, and doesn't get all the love doesn't mean that they're nonetheless who they are. Yeah. So, you know, um, so Danny Danny was very influential on me. Now, I had some relatives that were a little bit older than me, so I got turned on to things, you know, that were a little different. Um, I had Keith Emerson as well. Okay. You know, because of... You know, Brandon said I brought that up. And, of course, yep. Philly Hart, Kansas. You know, Phil, I'm sitting in my bedroom playing Left Overture, and there was a song in seven, and I'm playing along with it, and I figured out that I could play in seven. I'm like, wow. Wow. I could do this. So I learned Left Overture, and then I learned point of no return and then the next thing I know I you know I had done all that so it was a very it was a it was a thing to me that I loved I, I just loved the thought of an orchestra and rock all all that and in, in, in intricate music happening all, you know there was a lot of dynamic and it wasn't just your straight I don't know if I'm remembering this correctly but when I think I was in the ninth grade I broke into your house and uh, wanted to take a sneak peek in your bedroom. There was a drum kit and a big Kansas poster in there. Yeah, does that sound about right? It does. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to tell you this 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 funny story because Phil was absolutely you know my idol, and, and you know he in his hair. I mean I you know I'd go to shows. I sit you know behind, and that's who I was focused right. on. <laughs> so Brother Kane was playing a big spring jam. This has been. I don't know how many years ago when it was still going, but it was Brother Kane, and then it was Cheap Trick, and then it was Kansas, and I played percussion, 
you know, and, and it was a big deal because it was a huge sea of people, you know, and, and the guy that was running the camera, he liked me. We, we kind of hit it off, and I'm seeing myself up in the, you know, on the yeah, screen. Yeah, you know, but, but I was, that was great. It was a huge experience that weekend. But Kansas was coming on, and I had backstage passes. I mean, I, I was playing, so I had access back there. So we got through. Um, Cheap Trick came on. Um, Great band. Oh, yeah. I went and got something to eat. Bunny Carlos. Oh, yeah. Bunny could have actually been discussed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Come back and started to go backstage. The guy said, where are you going? I said, I'm going right back here where I came from. He said, no, you're not. I said, I have a pass. He said, I don't care. Because Kansas was about to come on. And I thought the whole time I was finally going to get to meet Phil, in which I didn't. And I was very upset um, for a long time. Bill Wilkes, my friend from Gunnersville. You, do you know Bill? Bill mm -hmm. Wilkes? No. Well, you need to. Okay. And I'll, I'll tell you about him later. He right. played with John Waite, and he's he's been a, he. You know. So. Um, we'll get him on. They, Damon was playing with John Waite, and Bill was playing drums with them, and they were playing with Kansas. And Bill knew the story and told them what had happened and how disappointed I was. And they sent me a CD that I have at home, and Al signed it and said, hey, man, sorry, you know, that we wasn't, you know, didn't get to do that. So That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> All right, so um, I don't know where I'm in. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call out Frank Beard. Um, and, and, and yeah, that goes, you're, you're talking about my band right now. Right, so... You know, back in that same time that Machine Head was happening in 73, 4, you know, whatever, was Trey Hombrek. One of my favorite albums of all time is, is Trey Hombrek. So between those two, and I'm like, okay, I'm whatever this is, I'm, I'm in. And the Chicago and all this time. Look, that, that was Gene at the core. That mm. Man, that's good to know, man. You're made up of Chicago Authority and ZZ But yeah, that, that's because, I mean, you're running the musical gambit. It's, but it's I mean, riffy. And it's it is things riffy. that I like. You it's know, riffy, are, yeah. and it's also badass it's, it's, when you want to turn it to that level. Yeah. So, because yeah. that's, when I think about Frank Beard and ZZ Top, I think B.A., that's just bad stuff. That's just he didn't get awesome. a lot of love from from the techie guys, you know, because all oh, Frank, you know, shuffle it. Okay, well, yeah, y'all shut probably, the hell up. I'll Frank leave. probably pissed a lot of people off too along the way. He was just he just you know he's like I'm gonna throw another name at you, Chris Layton. All right, um, finest shuffle left hand technique drummer that I know, Stevie Raybon. So, you know, it's kind of the same. They, you know, yeah. there's, a, there's a particular... Yeah, there's a style. There's a style about that. And Chris Layton was... It, it, so, you know, just... there, there's a, That's its own its own lane. And Frank was a master at that. Yeah. And if you don't... So that those were, those were uh, great rock drummers that influenced me and they were, you know, instrumental to me. Now I'm going to start... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start calling some names here. All right, let's hear it, Gene. Okay, so I had 
uh, Ansley Dunbar. Was that? All right, who was that? He was Journey's original drummer, and he I, played with everybody. Um, Jeff Beccaro, Barrymore Barlow. Take you Never guesses. heard. Jethro Tull. Okay. When Jethro Tull was happening. Yeah. Gonna, I'm going to have to come back and bring you some records and sit okay. down. I did not know that. Well, well I'm love, a Jethro Tull I guy. love Tull. I love okay. Jethro Tull. So, Ian Anderson. So the Bursting Out Live. Yeah. That's Barrymore Barlow. Mm. Okay. Um, Mark Craney. Never heard of him. Brother to Brother. Never heard of that. Gino Vanelli. I know Gino Vanelli. Okay. So, he had the greatest hair. Yeah. <laughs> well, you need to listen to the album Brother yeah. to Brother. Okay. Well, I'll put check that, it out. Put that on your list. I'm surprised Gino, you hair, Gino Vanelli had some great hair and a lot of taco meat on that chest. <laughs> <laughs> he did. Of course, you know, uh, Rod, in my day when I was in high school, Brother to Brother was a huge, you know, the Wheels of Life is on that record. Okay. You've heard that song? Yes. And there's several others that that was his biggest record. But when you hear the drum sound and the style, that's how you'll, you'll understand. That was big to me. That was, okay. Okay, and then, of course, Rod Morgenstein, which I talked about yep, earlier. we did. Okay, and you got to talk about Levon. We, we brought him up. But there's this, there's this guy, there's this guy, you know, called Hal Blaine. You ever heard of him? Nope. Oh, Lord. House most recorded drummer on the planet. He was in L.A. during all the hits that were happening there. You need to look him up, Hal Blaine. He, he traveling wheelberries. Well, I mean, okay, I love so, traveling wheelberries. So he's okay. part of that. That's, I mean, he's like a real foundational guy. It made me think of Stan Lynch, too, with Tom Petty. Oh, um, wow. But... Um, I'm going to tell you who, I, who I'm going to call the number one guy. You know, I, all these guys, you know, are important and, and left their mark. But Simon Phillips is my number one. Simon Phillips. Do you know Simon Phillips, Percy? Yeah, he's getting yes. a head nod. But, I mean, it, it goes back to, like I said a while ago, there's, this is what I love about this. There's so many names that you don't... Simon played. Simon played with the Who. Yeah, did he take Keith's place? And he and he also played with Toto. And but he's also. I mean, he's done so many things. Right now, he he, he does his own thing. He's like a, a jazz guy. He's like a Steve Smith for Journey. Yeah, now he, he's the, in. The, he's the, in. He's the in the that realm. That's what they call Steve Steve Smith. Yeah, but he's. There's a there's a, a Korean lady. Her name's Harumi that he does a trio with. And if you want your your brain twisted in a pretzel, you need to listen. But it's also very listenable. But Simon, you know, is to me the most versatile. He can rock. You know, he's musical. He can he can play anything. He's an older guy now. So yeah. I, I feel like you know, and I've been kind of going on that lately. Watching him evolve, you know, um, but it's not a classic thing, but it's an evolution, and that's that's the point that I wanted to make here. Yeah, I think evolution is an important thing as far when we grow and we learn. Well, and that's why I love this list because everybody's 
don't have a well, date. Well, the list is a starter. The, well, I didn't think of this. I need to go home and study this. I'll send you this sheet with all these with these names that I wrote down on it, so you can you can oh, look yes, over. Oh yes, because right. <clears throat> every episode there's somebody that brings up a song or something. It's like. Well, why didn't I think of that? Right, and that's why we get actually professionals in here to talk to two knuckleheads. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, it's really important. I, I, there's one guy I got to bring up, um, and his name is, if, if we're getting long and I need to be quiet. Um, no, go for all it. All right, Ber Bernard Purdy. Never. Okay, I've so Bernard, Bernard yeah, is one. responsible for what's called the Purdy Shuffle. Okay, and I'm gonna I'm about to name some some songs, and you're gonna go, oh wow, okay. Um, Home at last. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, she's gone. Hollow notes. Um, mm. It's a man's world. Sam Cooke. Thrill is gone. BB. Rock steady. Rock steady is a great song. Okay, so. Fool in the Rain uh, Led Zeppelin. is a pretty shuffle. Rosanna is Toto. a pretty shuffle. Toto. And the, a lot of people don't give Toto enough credit for their musicianship because they were, they were great. Oh, my God. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So the point that I wanted to make out of all this stuff that I'm throwing around is how can you say, how can you even think? Who's the top five? No. How can you even have, you know, a realistic conversation? You can't. So, but here's what I would say. If anybody that's listening to this, appreciate every single one for what they bring because the things that they're doing, you didn't know that Fool in the Ring was really a Bernard Purdy Shuffle that, that people know about. You, everybody's on everybody's shoulders. Well, here's the thing, Gino. I knew that you would know. <laughs> and that's why I wanted you to do this. So we're, we're thought provokers. And uh, with, my, with, with Percy, it's, it, it can get pretty intelligent. But uh, when we bring guys and gals in here like you, we get a different perspective and we get educated. Well, and I think that's important. Well, thank you. And, and look, it's, it's just conversation. And, and I'm happy to, I don't ever get to talk about these sorts of things um, well, so much. So I'm happy to have a, a way to do that. I do want to mention a couple of more things. I know we're running short on time. But we talked about Robert Nix. Yep. In, in how, you know, um, Atlanta Rhythm Section. But Which, here's a lot of uh, Russ Kunkel. Never heard of him. Leland Sklar. Never heard of him. Bass player. Um, oh, with ARS? No, no, no. No, this is, this is, um, um, ah. Sorry, I lost my train of thought. Russ. Um, uh, Jackson Brown, Linda Ronstadt. That's that Laurel Canyon sound right there. Yes, you're sir. Talking, you're talking Laurel, Jackson Brown, one of my favorite artists. That's right. Russ was in Carol King. 
and mm. you know there there's some really influential guys yeah. that are that don't get love that are, that are so influential in 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 shaping um, they, our music. And, well, they and, did, and that sound that came out of there, which is probably created by the Birds and Crosby, Stills, Nash, and that's right. Not Young, but all that. Don't but forget then, the burritos and the Flying Burrito Brothers, <laughs> and all that that's stuff. Right. That's exactly that. Right. That sound uh, that was created has, um, I mean, that's why we listen to the Eagles. That's correct. Yeah. That's 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 so part that's of stuff. they all were part of the same they did. little group because the Eagle um, guys played with Linda Ronstadt before they were, she you know. she helped them form. Um, Glenn Fry lived in the basement below Jackson Brown. That's right. Yeah. Bernie Ledden was in yeah. the Flying Bernie Burrito. Ledden was in the front. Flying the Flying Bur- Burrito Fry, Brothers. Flying Burrito Brothers. <laughs> we're Flying. All right, so we you know we've we've really covered a lot of history. Right, I, think I mean, so. you know, that's, you know, so, you know, there's a lot of great drummers that had impact, you know, on that. And, and any one of those without our, our musical history, without any one of those would be deficient, you know? Yeah. Yes, so sir. thank you for every, all well, that y'all, you guys did. Now, I got to throw you a couple of new ones. Okay, I got honorable mentions, but they're new people okay. that you don't probably have, no. And so, I want you, you go listen to him and you'll go, wow, okay. Because Chris Coleman was one, you know, and, and incredible. Um, well, but, this this will all be, there, there will be notes taken. <laughs> <laughs> so, a couple of German drummers, one's a female, and she is extremely impressive. And her name is uh, Annika Nellis, I think is how you pronounce her name. Okay. And she is crazy. I mean, it's what what new uh, Benny Greb. Benny Greb. Okay. Yep, and 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 uh, Gavin Harrison. Okay, I'm gonna say I've heard maybe no, I haven't. <laughs> Gavin actually plays in a band called King Crimson. Well, I know King Crimson. So you know, it's all yeah. drummers, and so that's it's crazy. It. Yeah. But but he has his his own thing. Incredibly talented new people coming along. Wow. Well, it's good to know there are incredibly <laughs> good, talented people coming along. And we're wrapping up. And Gino, I can't thank you enough for coming on and doing this with us. And uh, to me, you're a brother and I love you. And Well, I love you too. Amy. So happy you're, you're doing this with us. And uh, it's good to get a perspective from a pro. Um, Someone that has talent. Because yeah. oh, I, oh, I, have, I have none. Gosh, yeah. please don't, please don't say Talking that. about that. No, so look, you know. We're with the, and uh, Gene, you got a gig coming up in October 8th? Was yeah, that right? Our, our Soul, Survivor, Soul Survivor guys, uh, October 8th at Errol Allen. Yeah, um, Errol Allen Park, yeah. October 8th, Soul Survivor. These guys can play anything. <laughs> I've heard them. I'm an audiophile. I'm a music lover. But when I hear Soul Survivor, I'm, you know, they got it. We love you, Gene. We're glad you're here tonight. Thanks for your input. This is really special because I liked how you did 
this whole thing where you let us knuckleheads do top five and you interject it. So my last words to everybody is bye-bye.